Everybody, welcome to World War One Podcast. I'm your host, Eddie V. Thank you guys for joining me. With me is the Red Velvet Cake himself, the Nordic Beast, Big Papa, Mr. Larry Giver. What's up, bitches? <laughs> hope, every, hope everyone had a great week, had a great weekend. Unfortunately, our good friend Adrian Nieto and Sir Tony Zelikakis couldn't join us for this discussion. But we're going to do parts. <laughs> right. Uh, but we're going to discuss the part two of our Metroid respect, uh, retrospective. Um, so I'm actually going to turn the hands over to Larry and let him start this conversation. Um, if you listen to part one, we get, went over um, kind of like the main Metroid games, Metroid, uh, Metroids, um, Metroid 2, Return of Samus, Super Metroid, and Metroid Fusion. Um, we did part one of Metroid Prime. So we're going to continue, hopefully, with Metroid Prime 2 and go on from there. So I give it into the hands of Sir Giver. So we've got friends in the uh, in the studio down here on my end tonight. My beautiful wife is back here behind us with our, our poor sick child. And uh, we've we've also got one of our sexy listeners in the room tonight, too, decided to come and visit. Uh, Stephanie is in here with us, too, uh, decided to drop in and see how lame it actually is in person rather than, you know, <laughs> a, a finished produced episode. But not that that's really all that much better. But, you know, there it is. Um <laughs> also, uh, shout out to anyone that's listening to us from DNA Network for the first time as we uh, we are now coming out on DNA as well. Yes. Um, so yeah, that's that's a thing, and hopefully we'll have Corey on in an upcoming episode talk about DNA and some of the other stuff that they have going on around their uh, network, uh, aside from apparently deciding they wanted us on there for whatever terrible poor life choice reason. Um <laughs> The community. So, it's our community. It's love. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, before we jump in any deeper, because I wanted to do this uh, way sooner, and unfortunately my life schedule just prevented me from getting through it any faster than I did. But I finally finished going through AM2R. Um, as a matter of fact, actually, I was going to get it finished on Saturday, and my plans went, went awry when uh, I pushed my wife down the stairs and then I had to take her to the emergency room. So, you know, domestic abuse. <laughs> we do not encourage no. that. Please, do. you cannot press A and play it as a mini game to get a person back up. There is no Phoenix down to be revived from that. So, please, if you have a spouse or a loved one, take care of them. Be responsible. Uh, well, you know... Uh, you, you got to know the whole story. You know, what happened was she came in. She said, honey, I'm pregnant again. And I'm like, we're not having that. Down the stairs you go. But. God. <laughs> no kidding. I was sitting down here Saturday getting ready to sit down and actually finish the thing. And uh, she went upstairs to grab her laptop, hits the first step of the basement, slips, and rides her ass down about six steps. And so we took her into the ER. She bumped and bruised, but okay. Nothing broken. Um, honestly, she's been running around like she had, you know, like nothing happened truthfully, but in any case, 
Um, so, you know, this week's our domestic abuse episode. <laughs> brought to you by Chris Brown. Oh, oh wow. wow. Yes, again, too, actually. And it was for something where he, I guess, dated this girl and then decided to have a uh, police standoff, right? I because saw that. In his, you know, that is his nature, I guess, to, you know, meet a girl, then you take her on a police standoff. Yeah. Well, it was, uh, a, it was alleged if she was a beauty queen, uh, beauty pageant, and she was, uh, when, from what the story says, she was over his house. And one of the guys pulled off some jewelry, and she wanted to see. And allegedly, Chris Brown got offended. Her her boys got offended, uh, and he pulled. That's when he pulled out the gun out on her. Uh, but that it it something about it doesn't make sense. I don't know because I'm just like, well, how did his lawyer get into the house, and what is this standoff? And yeah, let's be honest. A lot of things about Chris Brown doesn't make sense. The whole story is just not cynical because I, I'm just like, huh? It, it's very weird. So we'll see what ends up happening. He is out on bail, though. So we'll see what comes out about that. And why does he have no cameras in his house to show, you know, like, record anything like that? But I don't That sounds know. like that needs to be the title of, like, a, a new Kanye West album, Out on oh, Bail. <laughs> But would anyone listen to it? Well, Kanye would listen to it, and that's all that matters. So, well, it's probably um, a record call out on bail. Sometimes some, something probably during the nineties. There, there has to be. There but has to be. In, in any case, so I fucking finished this thing finally. And for the record, I didn't want it to be over. It was fucking spectacular. Um, I I went in very hesitant. Honestly, I kind of thought I wasn't going to play it for the simple fact that we're talking about a remake of my personal all-time favorite game. Not just my series, but my favorite entry into this series. And I know that's fucking weird, and I like it for weird and strange reasons. Mm -hmm. And I was really expecting to not like this project because I, I... was wholly anticipating those things that I love about this series to kind of get lost uh, as a result. And while some of it did, um, he he treated it with so much reverence. This is uh, so well pieced together in terms of not only the, the game itself, but the lore that they put into it that it doesn't disrupt any of the lore in the rest of the series. It nestles nicely into it. It basically kind of takes the very, very bare-bones framework of the story from Metroid 2 that, you know, you only get if you actually open up the fucking manual and read it, um, and adds a little more to it, but I mean just a little, enough to give it some flavor, but still leave you to be able to imagine, you know, beyond that. And... Um, but the way they tell that story, too, is very well done. Uh, you know, they took the scanning component from the Prime games, but instead of making it an active thing, it's just this little thing that happens in the corner of the screen when you walk into a new area or you get to a, a new stage of the Metroid life cycles. And, uh, you know, you can just drop into the menu and check it out at your leisure whenever you decide you have time and you want to. But it, none of it's forced upon you. But it's done so lovingly and with so much care uh-huh. and respect for everything else around the series. Um, but uh, let's let's talk some nuts and bolts of this thing. Um, 
right off the uh, right out of the gate. Um, my my thing that I didn't like was that I liked Metroid Two and I liked Super because they had that like we talked about a couple weeks ago. They had that very slow, methodical, intentional, heavy weighted feeling when it came to controlling Samus, and that was gone this time in favor of that very quick snap um, feeling of like zero mission infusion. Um, it, it works well. It does. It took some acclimating um, in all fairness and full disclosure. I had some issues, not from the game itself, but just from the controller I was using because I was trying to play this thing with the 360. Uh-huh. And we all know that the 360 pads are fucking hot garbage. So, um, I mean, the thumbstick's there, but really the, I managed to acclimate enough to make the D-pad manageable. Uh, which is really the way I would recommend going. Though, for those of you that are so inclined, um, the uh, there is a way to get your Wii U Pro controller to work with your laptop or your PC if you've you know got a a rig with Bluetooth on it. Uh, but it takes some finagling, and I'm not that inclined, so I just you know got a receiver for my 360 controller. Hmm. Uh, but it it plays well. Um, a lot of the assets, uh, visually at first glance, look like something out of, like you just reuse a lot of assets from like uh, Zero Mission especially. Uh-huh. But when you start really paying closer attention, realize it may look like stuff from Zero Mission, but this was pretty much all done from scratch. Um, little things, like Samus has a fucking idle animation. She's never had that. You know, little loving touches put into this. Um, getting further in, uh, right from the get-go, you know, you hit that first Alpha Metroid, and it's it's an Alpha Metroid, but they they're much quicker. Um, the hitbox is a whole lot smaller. Um, they definitely take more effort. Um, it, he's definitely up the challenge from the original considerably. Um, Content-wise. This thing is tremendous. Um, it took the original as a, a framework like uh, Zero Mission did with the original NES title. Yeah. And he expanded and put so much new content in and used it to kind of fill in just voids and gaps uh, to really keep the pacing so strong. New mini-bosses. Um, you know, the, the minor enemies are all there. and They're all pretty much the same though they look much prettier now. But there are brand-new mini-bosses that, you know, really make you work at it. They're very well-designed, which brings me to my next point. One of the spots I had some issues with is the balance in this game felt a little off. This is the only thing that I would really put on the the crew that put this together, is the balance just felt a little off as far as the bosses go. Uh, they, They felt like they took too much to kill, and dealt too much damage at the same time. If he had gone one direction or the other with that, I would have been okay. Um, but it, both of them at the same time just felt a little lopsided. It made it more frustrating than I think it should have been. Um, again, that being said, I may attribute some of that to the fact that I was playing with a terrible, god-awful D-pad. Um, but... I, I could see that being adjusted and fine-tuning it just a little, and it would be spectacular beyond reproach. Um, 
from there, there are... I won't say there's any new weapons or items per se, but there are things that were not in the original Metroid 2, but came later on in the series. Um, things like the super missiles, the power bomb, uh, the speed boost, you know, have all made its way in there. And it's been so well crafted into the level design. It feels just right. Um, from the, the Metroid evolutions, what he did with them artistically was spectacular, just unbelievable. Um, the alphas seemed a little underwhelming, but you get into the gammas and they look much more imposing uh, than they did in the original. Um, they've, they're definitely a little more versatile in terms of what they can do to kick your ass. Uh-huh. And then you get into the, the late evolutions, the Zetas and the Omegas, which in the original just used to kind of be a little bit bigger, flew around a little faster. And here he's really worked with the biology because the Zetas and the Omegas are where they started really growing fucking usable, what looked like they should have been usable legs. And he took away their ability to fly and turned them into big walking behemoths to just destroy you. And unbelievably gorgeous sprite work. The articulation on these things are just... Wow. Um... One of the ones that stood out to me was when you get towards the ass end of the game and you get into the first Omega Metroid, and it, it leaps at you, and it stomps on the ground. And it's got, you know, the, the green membrane sticking out of its gut that's, you know, the, the hitbox where you can actually damage it. But it's got, you know, all this plating along its back. Looks like a fucking dinosaur kind of thing. But when it bends the plating parts and you've got an opening and you can see that green membrane... And it's not just artistic, it's not just articulated, but it's a workable weak spot that you can get into. I mean, he put every little magnificent detail in. Um, there are some wonderful new mechanics worked into this. Um, I will say I kind of had to kick myself in the teeth because I was playing this and I missed like two energy tanks because I couldn't figure out how in the fuck. To, and it was something so simple, but my brain was stuck on the mentality of the original Game Boy game. I had to get out of that mindset because he was not only doing things that weren't just in there, but weren't in any of the the Metroid games. He actually had some brand new stuff in there. And it was simple, but it was nice little touches uh-huh. that just off. And, I mean, I, I finished this thing two nights ago, and I just didn't want it to be over. It was so perfect. Um, hands down, and I'll get to this point in a second, uh, I would happily pay 60 bucks for a full-blown version of this on my Wii U that's, you know, got gorgeous widescreen and HD support, you know, that I can play with a nice D-pad and controller uh, that's really, you know, designed for that kind of thing. And what what needs to happen is, and it will never happen because they're stubborn and old farts like that, but Nintendo needs to grab these guys up along with this project. They need to take this project, hand it off to another team, and say, fine-tune it just a little, recode it for the Wii U, and put this shit out. Balance it just a hair, but beyond that, don't touch a fucking thing. You know, and then take the guys that did this and set them off working on Metroid Dread. Because clearly these guys have the reverence for this series to be trusted, I would say, to write the next installment plain and simple 
Um, like, like I said, this is so well done, and the, the lore and everything fits so nicely inside of the rest of the series that, honestly, to me, this is worthy of considering canonical. It's that good. Um, but, yeah, dual digging, there was the, the takedown order already, but if you do a little hunting, and I mean a little, it does not take much, you can very easily still find download links for this thing. For the love of God, go play it. And then on top of that, do what the man said. When the takedown order came, he wasn't upset. He wasn't pissed. He knew it was going to happen. But he said, don't be mad at Nintendo. They're they're doing what they have to do legally. They're protecting their business. He said, but what you need to do is show them that you want this. Go buy Metroid 2. Go buy Fusion. Go buy Zero Mission. Go buy Super. You know, these things are all on the, the 3DS and the, the Wii U you can have them, you can buy them, you can show them that we want more of this. Plain and simple. So, but there's my review in a nutshell, and that's a very big nutshell. But, yeah, 60 bucks, totally worth it. That's that's my review score. Um, I know you've been playing through Metroid 2 just a little so far, and uh, I, I'm anxious for you to finish it so I can hear your thoughts on it, okay. and then... Uh, to, to really get to play into this, because, oh, my God, you need to play this. Um, so, yeah, on to the rest of the shindig. Um, <laughs> I believe we left off last week looking at the first time, which leaves us going into Echoes, which yes. you and I got to uh, talk about with uh, when you were here a couple weeks ago. Um, Echoes was the follow-up to Prime, Came a couple years later. Um, this was really the the link to the past uh, in Metroid form. You know, you had your light world and your dark world. This was also the darkest the series ever got, really. Um, you know, like I mentioned, you, you walked in the first couple rooms and you found dead Federation troopers hanging from the ceiling. It was awesome. You know, it got grim. There were bodies hanging around. And... Uh, you it takes place on planet ether where there is a a species primarily in hibernation most of them wiped out um when the phazon meteor hit the planet because here's more phazon causing problems again and uh split the planet in two between a light and a dark world and out of this dark world came these assholes the ing who decided they wanted to come and <laughs> yeah they wanted to come and invade the light world and take all the planetary energy and basically destroy the light world because there was only enough energy for one version of this planet to exist. And they'd been in a struggle back and forth. So you are now tasked with retrieving all the, uh, the energy out of the dark world and bringing it back over to the light world and, you know, saving the planet. Um, prime two was definitely the longest of the prime games. Some of it felt a little artificially inflated just because of the light-dark mechanic um, and the duplicates of rooms. Um, but at the same time, they also used that mechanic well. Um, probably not the best that it could have been, but definitely used well. Um, when you first start getting into the dark world, it's very, very stressful because you've got that ever-present life drain from the atmosphere happening. 
And it's a huge, great big sigh of relief when you finally off Amorbus and you get your dark suit, which hands down is the most badass looking that Samus ever was in this entire franchise. Because that suit was just like rusty, steel looking, yeah. muscled, great big and wheels, awesome. And uh, it was just spectacular. And that's one thing I loved about this entry was that the suits, honest to God, felt alien. You know, compared to everything that she had had before. You know, it wasn't just a palette swap. It genuinely looked different, and it was. Um, uh, the, the, the only hang-up I really had with this game was that um, the end run, the collection of the keys, was immensely tedious. The artifact collection at the end of Prime was not bad, but... This just felt so much more drawn out. Um, but this is the entry, too, where you first start getting to actually go toe-to-toe with Dark Samus. And uh, the first run-in with her is still one of my favorite scenes out of this game uh, because you find her in a room feeding off of uh, vats of Phazon and you drop into the room and she just kind of looks at you and it looks like Old West standoff and it's spectacular. You know, it's cannons and staring each other down, and then everyone just launches into it. And it's good adrenaline pump. Um, the music, phenomenal. The the environments, when you were in the light world at least, wonderfully varied. The sanctuary temple was gorgeous. And the music to go with it was spot on. And this game had some spectacular boss fights to match. The temple guardians, especially my personal favorite, was Quadraxis, which is this huge, towering, fucking beastly machine. Looks like 30 stories high kind of thing in comparison to Samus. And, and, you know, it's your job to take it down and make it your bitch. And it's so satisfying when you do, because I want to say it's a cramped space, but how cramped can you be with a 30-story robot in the room? But... It really, by the same token, it takes up so much room. It doesn't give you a whole lot of maneuvering room. And Uh, the the thing with the boss fights is that uh, it it was kind of one of uh, I keep using this term risk reward kind of thing. Um, If you're if you're fighting them, and I think the dark world, um, you could use your light beam that they give you, and the light beam takes off a lot of energy, but you only could, I think you only have a certain amount of the light being like the missiles. Would you be able to combine them? There's like only a certain time that you could use it. And so you have to figure out, are you going to use your normal weapon or are you going to use the light being to get it down quick? Now the thing about it is, is that you got to be smart about it because these bosses are quick and they will do damage. Like the bosses did not play in this game. Um, oh no, they they did not fuck about. And yeah, this that was a big point of contention when this came out too was that the beam uh, the beam weapons suddenly had limited ammo now, and uh, the the light, the dark beam, and the annihilator that you get at the end that combines those two, which was god just a fun thing to play with. Uh, it was so quick, and the homing on it was awesome. It was a great weapon, um, but the puzzles were great. It was the first time that we saw the screw attack finally in the uh, in the Prime series in full blown 3D. Um, obviously, much like the Spider Ball, much more limited in regards to what you could do with it than uh, what was there, you know, in the 2D games. But it was still way fun to use and smash through shit with that thing. 
um, it still conveyed that sense of <laughs> I made everything my just pureed blended meal. And this um, game had the Murph Ball fight, uh, which was the first, and I think the first and only thing in the whole Metroid uh, series that I remember. Because there there are parts like where if you look at Metroid Prime, you have the plant boss where you have to roll and uh, you know bomb little parts to open it up. Uh, in order to fight the boss. But this one, you stayed in the morph ball throughout the whole entire fight. You were locked in in the morph ball mode the entire time to kill the spider guardian. And that was a big issue for a lot of people because not, not the fight itself, but the, the balance on that fight, that thing did so much damage so quickly. Yes. Um, it, it was a tremendous pain in the ass. And when Trilogy came out, they helped balance it some, uh, made it a lot more manageable, along with the uh, the Boost Guardian was another big one um, that was causing issues. Um, but yeah, so you get to the end of the game, you off the Emperor Aang, grab the last bit of light to bring back, and in your escape, Dark Samus decides to stand in your way. And what's really cool is that throughout the whole game, you go toe-to-toe with her a couple times. And uh, as she's soaking up more and more Phazon, she's becoming more and more unstable. And you get to a point at this final battle where she's she's essentially breaking down, like she's translucent. You can see veins and skeleton, you know, like skeletal bits inside of her. You know, you can see through her. She's just becoming way unbalanced, and it's awesome. Um, but yeah, end of the game comes, and off she wanders into the night, saves the day. And uh, then we get off to uh, Corruption, um, which was the last entry in the Prime series and the last of all the Phazon to do. Yes. Um, game opens up, and, uh, you know, this this Federation planet is under assault by the pirates, and we find out that the Phazon meteors the whole time haven't been meteors, but there are these living ships called Leviathans. And uh, you get to the end of the intro, and oh. so uh, we are having a little bit of technical difficulties, um, and we're going to be right back. Um, but I do want to say a little bit, speaking more on Metroid Corruption, um, is that. Uh, this one is uh, it was kind of kind of debut with uh the um uh, with the Wii um uh, with the Wii U uh like when or not Wii U uh with the Wii when it first came out uh I realize we disconnected and just reconnected right yes so uh give me one second okay um. One, two, my check, one, two. Oh, there we go. Um, so, uh, because this game was like one of the or launch titles for when the Wii came out, um, it, it kind of showed what the game was going to be able to do. So, you are, like uh, Larry said, um, you are in this federation and you have three other people that are with you, like your teammates. And uh, what ends up happening is that those team, uh, your teammates end up getting captured or they get end up getting corrupted. And um, they're the ones that you're going to fight. So I'm going to hand it back over to Larry. Go ahead, Larry. 
characters, you know, you've been uh, poisoned, essentially, with uh, Phazon, and the Federation has strapped you with this device that uh, fuels off of the Phazon that your own body is producing to uh, supercharge you in limited bursts uh, at the uh, trade-off of using up an entire uh, energy tank. Um, and there, there's a it's easy enough to do, but there's a wonderful way to just completely unbalance and wreck the game with this device. Um, essentially make yourself invisible or invincible rather. Um, but it, it really does. It's I'm trying to think of putting my thoughts together for a moment. Um, it's a great mechanic because they build on it so well throughout the, throughout the game. Uh, you're you're getting little extra upgrades, you know. It's just it starts out. Here's a more powerful cannon to you know. You, you don't have power bombs in this one, but you get the uh, you know the phase on ball that lets you kind of like electrocute everything around you, and you get your phase on missiles, and you get to you know siphon energy out of things with your grapple beam, mm-hmm. and uh, which. That's another wonderful touch. This was the first time that, you know, the series had jumped onto the Wii with uh, the motion controls. And uh, they did some really clever stuff, especially the grapple beam was one of my favorites. This thing was essentially assigned to the nunchuck, and, you know, you had your grapple mechanic on your arm there, and you whip your uh, nunchuck for it, and you'd see the grapple beam come out of the, the arm and, you know, grab hold, and you used to rip shit off and, you know, tear shields away from things and it was a very well done mechanic and other nice little touches it wasn't dependent on anything motion control really um but it was inserted in little places just sparingly enough to be clever and enjoyable it's trying to make um, you feel the game a little yeah, bit you, more immersed uh while you're absolutely. playing it yeah um, but one of my favorite touches that Retro put into this was after the first uh, major boss fight, um, when you get injected essentially with more Phazon into your body, you get more and more screwed up. Um, after the fight, she uh, she hits her knees and she pops her helmet off, and you, you see her get sick from the radiation. She's literally vomiting Phazon. Um, it's just, it's a beautiful touch, and they did other little things like that to show that she was getting more and more screwed up as you went along. Like the coloration on her suit was changing. Yes. Um, and one of the other things is when you jumped into the scan visor and you could see the reflection of her eyes in the visor and what was cool because it used the pointer mechanic to free look around the screen. Her eyes would literally follow where you were pointing. And on top of that, you could see in the reflection on her face, uh, her getting more and more jacked up, like lines of Phazon running through her face as she got worse and worse off from this stuff. Um, and, you know, uh, eventually you, you had three beautiful worlds to visit. You had uh, Alicia, which, you know, was the Skyborne city with these awesome zip lines and, you know, all steampunk glory. And Brio, which was this combination of, like, jungle and volcano. Yeah. And then got to the pirate homeworld where everything was all industrial. And just the the variety of level design was so well executed. 
and the limitations of the Wii visually were so well buried in just brilliant art direction. Um, and, and we must say that the game is, this one was the first time that Metroid became very linear uh, in the series. Uh, we know Metroid Fusion is very linear, and uh, but Corruption was kind of like the first one. Um, it still kind of felt open worldish, like you could go almost anywhere and go back to the planets um, to get more power ups and find new powers. So you still was able to do that, but it was just a little bit more linear in this one. And a lot of people they complained about it, but I had no problem with that. I, I wouldn't say that Corruption was linear. It, it felt just as open as any of the others. Really, it you know, it uh, just. I mean, it was directly connected, connected you know, yeah. by elevators, you know, like you were in the, the old stuff. Um, so, but, you know, from there, the the series comes to a close as you you destroy Dark Samus and all of the Phazon, uh, you know, finally. And the, the Phazon trilogy comes to a close. The Prime series ends. And coming out of it, we get to Super Metroid. Um or no, I'm sorry, Metroid 2 is the one right after, yeah. chrono- uh, chronology-wise, um, which we've already hit on. Um, but we've also, you know, hit on Super, and so after Super came Other M, um, at least timeline-wise. And here is probably one of the most opinion-splitting games in the series. Uh, up until about two to three weeks ago, probably the most looked down upon. Oh, hold on, everybody. We are having technical difficulties. Um, Give me just one second. Uh, We will be right back after these messages. So right about here, my long-winded, one-sided conversation broke the entire fucking internet connection. And everything went to crap. So here's a song about fixing shit. Well, we fix our shit.
everybody. Welcome back to World One One Podcast. I apologize for the technical difficulties, but we're going to get back into Metro Prime Corruptions with hosting duties. Hand it back over to Mr. Larry Giver himself. Take it away, Larry. So we 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 took a break there because Eddie's shit ran out of juice because this podcast is apparently powered by a set of double-A batteries. We're a um, train wreck of professionalism. That's all we are. <laughs> Forever the Amtrak of adulting. Uh, <laughs> That's our model. Oh, God. DNA does, like, merchandise stuff, don't they? Can we get that on a shirt? <laughs> we probably can. So, I'd, I'd wear that. Uh, World so, 1 1 podcast. We yeah. A train wreck of professionalism. <laughs> In the back it says, uh, the Amtrak of adulting. Oh, God. So we're just getting ready to dig into other M, which, like like I said, the uh, definitely the most divisive uh, mixed bag of reviews of the series. Um, you know, coming off of corruption just a couple years earlier, um, well, well received, critically acclaimed as all the prime games were. Um, here comes other M, which, like I said, you know, not the first time that we, you know, that Samus has talked, but God, it's the first time we wanted her to shut the hell up. Um, this, this game sits nestled between Super Metroid and Fusion, and, uh, it's the first time we actually see Adam Malkovich, and we see Samus turn into this whiny child. Um, my, my take on this is if you put the game on mute so you don't have to listen to anybody talk, it's a lot of fun. It plays great. I loved it. Um, I loved the way that it played. Um, it it felt to me like what the, the next step for the series in terms of the side-scrolling aspect, mm-hmm. um, like Super and Fusion, uh, should be. You know, it wasn't this full-blown first-person 3D thing like the Prime games, but it wasn't, you know, strictly relegated to side-scrolling, though there were parts that had that aspect, but it had more depth to it. Um, it was a lot of third-person action combat. Um, it wasn't just shooting. There was actually some melee happening. Um, the exploration felt a little more limited, um, just because of the nature of the the setting where you're on a, a space station again, uh, much like fusion didn't feel quite as linear as fusion did, but it definitely didn't feel as expansive either. Um, this game uh, from a purely series standpoint felt like they tried to build a greatest hits of the series because they, they took bosses like big epic bosses and moments from different parts of the series and hodgepodge them together into other M. Um, this was the first time that we'd seen the Metroid queen since uh, return of Samus on the original game boy. Um, you know, uh, Phantom makes an appearance here nightmare from fusion, which was, you know, the next installment, which chronologically didn't make a whole lot of fucking sense, but there it was. And it was a lot of fun to play, but 
just in terms of story, didn't make any bloody fucking sense for it to be there. I mean, um, the, the the story of of Metroid Other M, it would have been there, but there's so many plot holes put in that put in that game, and it's just like it, it felt like they couldn't figure out how they was going to be able to connect everything and solve everything. You know, uh, it, my it just, my. My biggest thing is it felt like they started writing one storyline and got almost to the end of it and went, eh, I don't know how I feel about this. You know what? Let's just drop it and run off on another storyline instead. You know, um, there, there are all kinds of bits and pieces that are just kind of left hanging and never really properly concluded in this game. Um, the, the dialogue is fucking terrible. Um, the other big complaint that I had is that you never find any power-ups. You know, you walk into this game fully juiced, and you don't use any of these things because Adam says so. Like, really? What person in their right mind walks into a life-threatening situation and gimps themselves because somebody that they used to work for says, "Mm, don't use this yet until I tell you to. That was fucking dumb. It was on godly dumb. Um, but like I said, though, if you strip away the story, the gameplay was a ton of fun. Yes. Um, and the, and the just, gameplay was, was done by Tecmo Kobe, so you kind of have to think of, oh, the, or these are the guys that did um, Ninja Gaiden. And, on that. Um, the, thing, the thing with Tecmo Kobe doing this game, doing the action and stuff, is that um, it kind of made them look better than what they're known for with Ninja Gaiden because Ninja Gaiden always had problems with the camera, and I feel like Metroid Other M got the chest right with this action. You know, you didn't have to really fiddle around with that car- camera. Like, you could hop and jump around and just really blast it. It was like the combat was, like you said, Larry, actually fun. I mean, and it didn't even, it didn't even, even have to be deep. Um, when you jumped out the way and it slowed down, it just felt so good when you dodged. Just, it's just the combat in that game was just amazing. Um, and I think that did well for Techno, uh, Kobe because, of course, we got Hyrule Warriors. But, you know, it kind of be like, you know, if you guys ever go back into the action genre, kind of model it after Metroid Other M's, you know, because you guys did a great job with it. So you know how to make the combat better, fast, and you don't have to actually deal with a camera that's going to make the game hard. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot of fun to play. It's terrible to listen to, which is really a shame because this game had one other thing done very, very well, um, and that was the, uh, the, the the cinema mode, the movie mode, if you will. Yes. Um, you know, you finish playing through this game, um, you could flip on the cinema mode and watch through the whole story you know, and they edited it together in such a way that it wasn't just here's a cutscene, here's a cutscene, here's a cutscene. They actually pieced it together with, you know, bits of traversal and, you know, some of the things that happen in between, uh, you know, big, big action set pieces and boss fights. And that was really cool. I mean, it, it felt like a an intelligently edited and condensed uh, let's play of, of the game. 
I liked that fact, and I, I still like actually sitting down and watching it as much as I hate the story. I like watching it played, and I like the way they edited it together. Yes. Um, I, I really wish more games would do that. Um, you know, because there are sometimes bits of story and narrative that happen during gameplay, not just the cinematic cut scenes. And uh, that's that's something that gets lost when you just, you know, watch the the cut scenes. You, you miss some of those cool bits in between. And what they did with Other M in that regard fixed that. Um, and, this but, game, and I must say, this game is very easy to 100%. Like, this was my first 100% game for the Metroid series. So it's really able to 100% uh, and be able to fight the last, last boss of the game. Now, see, I honestly thought that uh, Corruption was the, f- the easiest one to really 100% because you get to a point towards the end of that game where you can launch off the satellites, and they literally tell you where everything is. Uh-huh. So, um, but yeah, you, you get to the end of the game, and you fight the Queen Metroid, and uh, instead of that being the end, the credits roll, and then you get more game. She she goes back to the station to go find Adam's uh, helmet, and and the process is the way out. You know, you get to go re-explore and go find anything that you missed if you want 100% the whole thing. But then on the way out, you get this wonderful set-piece boss fight uh, on an observation deck where the all the windows blow out, and there's Phantom from Super Metroid in just this tremendous glory um, as, you know, a final, like, bonus boss fight, if you will. Um, you know, and you take it down, and they blow up the station, and there's your escape sequence. It's obligatory in, like, every game. Um, and so ends the the mediocrity that is Other M. You know, and I, I always say it's mediocre because what was great in terms of gameplay sands the whole point to use missiles thing Mm -hmm. um, is counterbalanced by the atrociousness that is the story and the voice work in that game. Um, But uh, from there, uh, did we... Yeah, and we hit on Fusion, which took place directly after Other M. Um, So that just leaves us with... uh, a couple of oddballs of sorts. Um, the the first of which, and probably the most important, is uh, Zero Mission. Um, Zero Mission came along, uh, built very much on the back of the engine of Fusion. Um, and here was a, a remake of the original Metroid game, um, done with that bright, vibrant kind of comic book uh, color palette. Um Here's a, I won't call it a faithful remake, but it is a very competent remake. It's built around the framework of the original game, um, but again, uh, expanded. Yes. And this is why I use this as the, the comparison point for AM2R, because they took that game and they grew it a little. And that's that's why I'm, I'm so marveled with AM2R, because Zero Mission grew the original a little, you know, uh-huh. here's a couple extra nuggets here and there. They they also had a, a whole expanded chunk 
um, after the mother brain fight, which in the original was the end of the game. Um, but zero mission was well done, well executed. Um, and honestly, at this point, uh, I, I don't see any reason to go back and play the original NES title when zero mission is out there. It, it's the same story and then some told and playable much better than the original. Um, it's way more balanced. It's way less, um, punishing is not the right word, but the original was punishing, but more due to the, the limitations of the era. Um, you know, zero mission is, was an opportunity for them to go back and take all the things that they had learned up until that point and use it to kind of reskin the original. Uh, and then, like I said, they've inserted some new content wonderfully placed. It doesn't feel out of place. It doesn't feel forced. Um, but they still have all those bits and pieces from the original that make it stick out in your brain. Um, so like, like I said, with zero mission, just, around there's no reason to go back and play the nes title anymore um because it it tells that story and then some so much bad i think to get the experience oh. like to say that you play all the games i would say do that for i uh, do that if you're trying to get just a whole experience for all the games do play the original metroid but if you're trying to do a story just like really get the story yeah i i, I agree with you do zero mission uh over the regular one so, um, on to our next oddball, and I, I really shouldn't even call Zero Mission an oddball, because honestly, that's that's really as much mainstay, mainline as any of the others, um, you know, Return of Samus, Super, and Fusion, but um, the, the first of the, the honest-to-God oddballs is Hunters. Um, Metroid Prime Hunters sits nestled right in between Prime 1 and Prime 2, uh, has nothing to do with the, the Phazon story that they're telling through the Prime series, but instead uh, revolves around uh, Samus and six other uh, characters all vying for this superpower as this mysterious um, distress beacon goes out uh, and they all pick up on it and they all want this superpower and it's all a trap. Um, it's not the greatest thing in the world. It, it definitely loses its its feel of solitude and its metroidiness, yeah. for lack of a term. And I, I I'm going to punch myself for using that word, um, or at least pretending it was a word. Um, but yeah, it's it's an okay thing for the time for what the the original DS could do. It, it was well pieced together, and truth be told. The multiplayer was a fuck ton of fun. They had some really well-designed, diverse characters. Um, granted, they didn't have much in terms of a personality, but they actually had some backstory to them that I would be really curious to get into. And um, Nintendo has actually talked about um, getting uh, more into one of those characters in particular, uh, Silex who uh, had a tiny, tiny cameo at the end of Corruption. If you 100% Corruption, um, when Samus takes off, uh, there's another ship uh, chasing after her, and that's Silex. 
Um, he has some weird tenuous connection to the uh, the Federation as well, and uh, they've never really gotten into what it is. Just that he's got some fucking beef to stomp out with him, and uh, they've talked about wanting to dig into that connection more and uh, uncover more of the the story between the two of them. But it's it's not gotten there at this point. It's just not there. Um, visually, not the most striking thing to look at. Again, it, it's a case of it's very limited by the hardware that it's on. Um, you know, props for them making the attempt. This was, uh, you know, out at a point when nobody could really decide whether we should push for more, you know, 3D rendered games on the DS, or if this should be a 2D sprite machine. And so you had that weird balance of both happening at that point in time. Um, you know, obviously we now know which way that went and probably for the better, but, uh, you know, they, they took a, a very limited piece of hardware and really stretched it to its limits with this. Um, you know, this was also one of Nintendo's first forays into uh, online multiplayer as well. Um, you know, four-player online matches, they had some great arenas. Like I said, the diversity of characters and the way that they played and the weapons they had were fantastic. Um, there was a, a character, a hunter, for every play style that you wanted. Yes. And it was very cool. It was very well-balanced. Um which is something that you don't think of when you think of a Nintendo game or a shooter. You know, we, we haven't seen anything really quite like that uh, up until the last, you know, year or so when Splatoon came out. And, uh, you know, even then, Splatoon doesn't quite scratch the itch the same way that Hunters did for that kind of action. Um, from there, uh, actually out before Hunters came out, uh, was Metroid Prime Pinball. And... I will be damned if I don't understand why they uh, they never did more with this. Because this was a clever idea, and it was well executed. Um, here was a game for the DS that took uh, the, the Metroid Prime game, the first one, as a premise, and turned it into uh, a couple of well-designed and strangely interconnected pinball tables. Um... It was very clever. It was done by the same guys that did Mario Pinball on the Game Boy Advance, which was god-awful. But here, it it just soared. These guys were on their game this time. And you can find a copy for like two or three bucks. God, go find it. It's very cool. Um, you've got a, a handful of tables. You've got the Pirate Frigate and... Uh, You've got uh, the the base area when you land on uh, Talon Four, the overworld. Um, you also get into uh, the Fenderana Drifts as a table. Um, the uh, the Phazon Mines are another table. Uh, the final boss fight, uh, you get to fight Ridley in the uh, the Impact Crater uh, Temple. And then if you get through that, you know, you go into the Impact Crater and you fight Metroid Prime, you know, all is a, a little morph ball on a pinball table. And it was clever as shit. And I'll never understand why they didn't do that for the rest of the Prime games. Because it, it was so well done. 
Um, this was also, uh, this came packed with a, a little accessory for the DS, as a matter of fact. This came packed with a rumble pack. Um, and it, it, it wasn't right. to speak of, but it was nifty. And that rumble pack, as a matter of fact, was also compatible with Metroid Prime Hunters to boot. Um, you know, it slipped into the Game Boy Advance cartridge, and uh, lo and behold, your handheld device now had rumble. It, again, it wasn't all that powerful, but it was a neat touch. It was them, you know, uh, expanding out and trying to broaden their horizons and see what all their hardware could do in every unique way. And this was another way for that. And then um, the the final table was only playable in uh, multiplayer mode, actually. And that's where you got to play in the Magmore Caverns. Um, so that that rounds out the series aside from the one that I now have to power through. And I, at, coming off of AM2R, I'm having a hard time getting excited about it. But here we have Federation Force, and this is the first full-blown foray into the Metroid universe that doesn't involve Samus. Um, you know, we have a, a squad-based four-man shooter, uh, you know, little mission-based uh, game that follows a, a core of Federation troopers in mech suits, and uh, they're they're out to eradicate what's left of the the pirate threat now that. Uh, the Phazon threat is over. Um, so, you know, this takes place after Corruption, uh, before Return of Samus. Um, you know, it's still considered a prime game, if you will. I, I think more than anything, just to tell you where it sits in the timeline. But it's... I'm not... I'm not down on it. The, the little bit that I've played of it so far is not the worst thing I've ever, you know, laid eyes on, but it's certainly not a great effort either. It's very middle of the road, and I think this is going to be an even more mixed bag than Other M was, and I think the biggest thing, really, is if you want to enjoy it, you, you can enjoy it, but you have to adjust your expectations going in. Um you know, if you pick this up thinking, ooh, Metroid game, you're not going to get that. Right. You pick this up thinking, ah, neat thing I can play with my friends, you'll get that. You know, it's something you can pick up and play a mission or two in a matter of, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes, and then put it back down again. Um, you know, it's it's made to be digestible as a, uh, you know, as a handheld game, um, which is something else, too, that I think really influenced the way that they wrote and laid out games like Fusion, especially in that linearity, was, you know, they wanted something that was designed uh, for a handheld for shorter, uh, more manageable play sessions. You know, not something where it was intended really to, you know, be played over a matter of, you know, hours and hours and hours, you know, in front of your TV. Um, and that's something I don't think a lot of people account for when they, they bitch about how linear it was. Um but yeah, that's that's the series in a very long, long nutshell. Um, so, uh, and, and at this point, you know, we now sit on our thumbs waiting for more. Um, I, I'm honestly concerned that given the reception that Federation Force has gotten, that they may look at it and go, 
uh, we shouldn't do any more of this because nobody liked it, nobody got into it. But, you know, my, I, I can only hope that somebody is smart enough there to go, well, they didn't like it because we made them wait six years and then we gave them this instead of something else that, you know, really fits the series better. Um, you know, there, there's a time and a place to explore an offshoot like this. And six years after the, the last major installment in the series is not that time. Um, but that being said, you know, I, I think on the backs of, uh, on the back of what, uh, Dr. M64 said, you know, show them that we want more of this. Go buy Zero Mission. Go buy Fusion. Go buy Return of Samus. Go buy Super Metroid. You know, show them the demand for that 2D side scroller. Um, just, you know, not just that, just show, show that demand for another Metroid game, like a yeah, proper Metroid game. Yeah, and that's something, too, that. You know, the the series hit a, a major milestone just these last couple of years um, in that it celebrated its 30th anniversary. And, uh, you know, we got no mention, no love, no nothing. Meanwhile, this morning we had a Nintendo Direct, you know, talking about uh, Zelda's 30th anniversary and that Skyward Sword is coming out on the virtual console today. And that, you know, we're going to get some anniversary Amiibos to use with Breath of the Wild and, you know, all this other shit. And it's like, you can't even at least say happy birthday. It's just, there There seems to be a complete disregard for the series uh, from Nintendo. And it's, it's really a travesty. Um, but no, you know, really the biggest thing you can do is... Vote with your wallets. Mm-hmm. You know, show them that there is a, a demand for this. And as much as it kills me to say it, that also means go out and buy Federation Force, which, like I said, it's it's not the worst thing in the world. And if you go in with the right expectations, you'll have fun with it. You will. Um, but, you know, they, they need to know that the, the demand for the series is there um, to the point where it's profitable for them to do something. And I, I really think that, uh, you know, getting the guys that did AM2R together to work on a new installment would be just spectacular. Um, I think that would be, but that's, that's all I got. I'm out. <laughs> and with that, everybody, that is our Metroid uh, retrospective. We would like to hear what you guys think about the Metroid series. You can email the show at my, not my out too. Sorry. That's my optional pin again. I'm sorry. I recorded earlier today. Um, at world11podcast at gmail.com. Adrian's going to give me for that. This is not your show. <laughs> I'm just like, look, I messed up. I, I, I do so much. Um, that's W-O-R-L-D-1-1 podcast at gmail.com. Um, talk to us on Facebook at World 11 Podcast. Um, you can check out more episodes at archive.org, SoundCloud, iTunes, um, Google Play Music, um, and other podcast apps. Um, if you own SoundCloud, just look up Optional Opinion and you'll get both, uh, both podcasts of Optional Opinion and World 11. Um, you can find me at on Twitter at that retrocode t h a t r e t r o c o d e. Larry, where can we find you? Uh, I'm out on our Facebook page. Uh, Larry is always right giver. Um, again, you know, a, a big thank you for uh, those of us joining us for the first time from the DNA Network uh, listenership. 
Uh, we're, we're way fucking excited to be here, and I promise most of our shows are not this one-sided and me constantly talking like this. Um, I, I just happen to be the, the person that fit the bill for the subject at hand. Um, you know, uh, next week we'll be getting into uh, all this stuff and uh, unpacking uh, the Nintendo Direct that happened uh, this week, actually. Um, when hopefully we'll have at least Adrian back with us to, to really kind of open up the conversation a little more. Mm-hmm. Um, beyond that, uh, you know, like you said, we're out on archive. So for those of you, uh, listening to us for the first time on, uh, DNA, um, check out our Facebook page. There's a link to the archive page where everything is nice and neatly organized and available for your streaming pleasure. Um, I want to say thank you to uh, Steph for stopping by, and uh, you know, hopefully, we'll see her back around again. Uh, we appreciate her and everybody else that does listen to us and puts up with our stupid shit, uh, you know, week over week. Um, you know, looking forward, hoping to have a few more people stop by, and I, I, I do wish that we had kind of had a, a different topic this week, if only for the fact that you know, I would have loved for her to be able to get in just a little more. But I know she enjoyed just getting to come in and sit in on the. Uh, on the production and the recording tonight. Um, but yeah, um, we've got a few other things lined up in the next few months that I'm kind of working on in the background. Um, definitely guys get active on the Facebook page, please. We are looking to kind of expand some of what we're putting out there. Um, you know, we're, we're looking to the future of, you know, what this might be and what this might do. And, uh, you know, if the, the love is out there and, uh, you know, the one is out there. We, we could see this grow. Um, it's in the very, 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 very early stages of, you know, being looked at. But, uh, you know, we, we might see some more original content come out of uh, this show. Um, you know, probably start through the Facebook page. So keep your eyes to the Facebook page um, as we try and do a little bit more and, you know, kind of gauge the response. Um, you know, hopefully getting out to the DNA Network folks. Um you know, we'll, we'll see a little more uh, interaction happening on that page as well, too. Um, but, you know, looking to the future. So, yes. And with that, everybody, we are out. And we do want to mention also um, uh, Smash Brothers uh, with Samus in it. Um, with Zero Zoot Samus and with the uh, with Samus in her suit, um, that has been very end a uh, very big part of that series. She is one of my favorite fighters in that game. Um, I love playing her in uh, the Smash for 3DS and Smash for Wii U. I really do love her, um, and I just want to see more of her. Uh, hopefully, on the NX, we might get a reveal or something. But uh, we shall see. Alright, guys, have a good night. Eddie, send me a copy of this technical train wreck for me to try these <laughs> And with that, everybody, we are out. Have a good weekend, have a good week, whenever you hear this podcast. And as always, have fun with the games that you guys love. And with that, we are out. Bye. Good night.